Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. We hope you're all keeping well and in our third episode we are delighted to be joined today by Joe Hopkins. Joe is originally from Belfast, is a former international hockey player and uh, was the high performance hockey coach to the Canadian national team at one time. Uh, She trained as a counsellor, she was a performance director and now works primarily as a mentor, coach or moach, she might talk about that later. Uh, in sport and business and she also does a whole lot of work uh, around developing other mentors in both business and in sport. Uh, she's also the busiest lady in the world so penning her down for even half an hour is an absolute nightmare so I am delighted to uh, to have you on the podcast so thanks so much for joining us Jo. Oh, it's lovely, it's lovely to be here. So by way of warming us up, uh, I hate this term icebreaker so we'll do an energizer today or a fire starter not, not an icebreaker and a regular feature on our podcast now if you could go on an adventure anywhere in the world, where would you go? Who would you go with? And what would you do? Yeah, I think for me, I I, I obviously lived out in Vancouver for a period and um, kind of a real sort of like second home out there. Um, and there's things I didn't get to do when I was out there that I still really want to do. So I think for me, I would go west coast of Canada, uh, the sort of top of Vancouver Island, uh, and there is a, a body of water called the Georgia Strait, and it goes all the way up really to Alaska. Uh, so what I would do is I, d- I did a little bit of kayaking around there. We, we spent three days on a kayak trip and it just wasn't long enough. So we um, we kind of put all our stuff in a kayak and kind of then camped and sort of beaches along the way, kayaked with killer whales and there's eagles and so much wildlife. And it just felt very, um, there wasn't really a plan, which as you know, <laughs> I don't really don't like a plan, so that was good. Um, and I think I would probably take 10 of my cronies from uh, that I went to uni with who um, are still really good mates. Uh, we, we meet up every month, although lockdown has been a bit of a struggle. And we are kind of, we've been through a lot together over the years. And it's always fun when we get together. So I think I would take them and do kind of a kayak trip with a difference. Uh, and then I'd love to finish it off by going, there's a ferry ride that goes up to Alaska, really that just goes right up the strait. And I've always really wanted to see that scenery. Um, and I never got quite to do it. So pretty relaxed, but with really good people, there'll probably be a lot of red wine and stories and a bit of singing as well, um, and a bit of banter. It's probably my idea. And some and really nice wildlife and scenery. I really love the water. And I just like the idea about um, bringing them into that environment because none of them have ever been. So it's part of introducing them to that as well would be nice. Wow, that was a seriously good answer, Joe. Uh, with with my day job hat on for a second, the paddling in Alaska, Canada area sounds pretty amazing. So wow, uh, I want I want to go. That sounds awesome. Uh, wish I'd come up with a better one when I had my turn. <laughs> we'll put you on the list. You can come. Oh, oh, oh on the list here, folks. You heard that here first. <laughs> Might get on the list with Joe. Um, listen, from the intro, people probably got a bit of a sense that you've had a, a, an amazing career so far. Done lots of really interesting, different things. Um, I didn't want to say too much because I wanted to let you tell the stories, but your journey into sport, let's start there, shall we? Where did it all start for you? Uh, how did sport begin? What did you play? And then where did that progress to, I guess, as, as a participant? Yeah, I came from a really sporty family. Um, I realised that I grew up where all of my family, my uncles and aunts, had all played sport for Ireland. <laughs> so it kind of the messaging was, um, you're going to be really good at sport. Um, so I was immersed in sport from a really early age in every sport you can imagine, you know, and our, our family get togethers 
quite often in Donegal on the beach in the west coast of Ireland, it always involved sport. It was rounders or hockey and it was really competitive. And I grew up with a lot of boy cousins. So I was born in London, moved back here to Belfast when I was two. I had three male cousins that lived next door to us who I actually thought were my brothers for a long time because we were just in and out of each other's house so much. And at a very early age, I played football with them. I was always the goalie. Uh, but I was just rough and tumble and a lot of sport informally. But then I, my mum played squash. She was really involved in the Irish squash scene. And she coached me how to play squash for the first uh, so 10 years, really, from about four up to 14. And then I started playing international squash. Um, and I played a bit of hockey at school, but not so much. And then I, I kind of from that got a bit, I suppose got a bit fed up playing squash because it was a lonely existence. It was a single game. And while I quite liked the idea of I win or lose on my own merit. I started playing a bit of hockey when I went to university and I really liked the team bit. I love the fact that, you know, I like that bit of pulling a team together and that if I was having a bad day, it didn't matter because other people had my back. But I hadn't really, I'd had, I'd had some coaching at school, but I hadn't really, I'd been off playing international squash competition, so I didn't really major on it at school. But at university, I was really lucky. Um, one of the girls that played at university in my first year was on the British GB team. Uh, and she was at the university and she kind of went, I actually think you could be okay at this. Um, and they moved me position on the team from being, I thought I was a right wing. I thought it was really fast and furious. It turned out I was a defender. And she she moved me position. Um, and actually I sort of then got noticed in that position. And then I ended up being an international hockey player, sort of quite late in life really. And, and I remember I didn't really know what I was doing a lot of the time. It was very just much learning as I went, but which is interesting coming into a sport where you didn't understand how to do stuff. I couldn't remember how to hit a ball. I was just learning from watching other people, actually. Um, and so I played internationally until I was about 23. And then I had a I had a, a big ACL tear in a, in a match. And really that was me done because I'm 52 now. And in those days we weren't just quite able to put people back together again. Um, so I actually came out of sport really at 23 in a, in, a, in a very competitive sport I stepped out of. Does that make sense? Yeah, wow. What an amazing story. Got this image of you running around in Ireland with these older male cousins and learning sport that way. And really interesting these days to have somebody come to a team sport so late in life, like university really. But it was obviously something that you had and you were in the right environment and you were encouraged by a friend. And yeah, wow. What an amazing, amazing story. So it sounds like that injury was a catalyst for something else. So you went on to do different things. And what happened next for you? Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting because I'd always coached. I coached squash from a really early age because um, my mum coached. And, and in school, we needed somebody to coach the team. And I learned to be a coach in squash at really 16, 17, 18. And then in hockey, I had played school hockey, so I had a bit of crack with the hockey team in school, but I hadn't played it at international level. I wasn't that serious about it. With hockey, weirdly, I had learned to coach. I learned to coach hockey to learn how to play hockey. So in my first year or second year at uni, I went on a hockey coaching course because I'd never really listened when I had been at school to learn how hockey worked. Um, and I really enjoyed the coaching, um, but I'd never really thought about doing it for a career. And then when I was injured, people came to me and said, you know, because actually at that stage, um, it wasn't handled very well in terms of the feedback. I was told basically that, you know, this is it. You will not really recover. And I had a couple of years of trying to do a lot of recovery and it not quite working out, which was really tough and mentally quite soul destroying. And then actually I thought, you know, maybe coaching might be of interest. But at that stage, I really 
I still really wanted to be a player, you know, and letting, and that idea of letting go of that was really tough. Uh, I really didn't want to be a coach because to me that was about that piece ending and giving up on playing. And just I, I, by accident more than by design, I started coaching a bit at the club. Um, I started coaching in school. I was teaching at that stage. I started coaching in school. And I found that I actually really <laughs> annoyingly enjoyed it. Um, and actually, interestingly, my mum had, when I injured my knee, my mum, who's quite, who's a counsellor and quite a big influence in that sense in my life, had said to me, you know, I actually think you're going to be a better coach than you were athlete because I think how you work with people and how you see the world, I think you'll go further as a coach. And I kind of at that stage went, no, that's, you know, that's not going to work. But actually, you know, annoyingly when your parents are right about stuff, um, I kind of went in, um, I started to really enjoy the coaching, but the bit I probably enjoyed was the people. I enjoyed looking at people and seeing potential and thinking, how can I get that person to really thrive? Uh, And that was the start of that journey, really. I, I went into hockey coaching, and I started coaching uh, with provincial teams um, and then nationally. And I actually then made a move out to Canada, actually to do some counselling psychology. To, to, to I realised that I was really interested in the people bit of things. And actually in school, I was working as a pastoral care lead. So I was looking after a year group. And I thought, I just really would like to know more about how do people think and work. And I, I picked Vancouver because it looked nice. <laughs> and I'd been there in holiday once. And I thought, I really want to go and live there. And um, then I found a course I wanted to do that fitted. Um, and so I went out there and, and studied and actually coached at the university out there and then coached with the national program was out in Vancouver and actually never really made it back to Ireland after that. After my university stuff finished, I stayed on and kind of lived out there and, and was really immersed in hockey coaching out there or field hockey coaching. So that was that sort of journey into coaching, almost going into full-time coaching. God, that's such an interesting story, Joe. I, I mean, we could talk about this forever and I want to get into other things that you now do but I'm really interested you said earlier about this idea of letting go the idea of being a player and, and I'm just wondering if you can maybe give us um, a, a bit more on that I, I certainly you know I had a not dissimilar experience where on two different occasions in my life I retired from sport I suppose once was medically enforced and once was of my own choice and I remember how different those two experiences were I'm just wondering what that was like for you Yeah, it's interesting because I think when you start being an athlete at an early age and you have some success and you're immersed in sport and also from a family that was really immersed in sport and you get a lot of really good good feedback about your performance and, and, and there's a lot of pride in what you do, it becomes very much part of your identity. And I think in looking back, I identified as a sporty person at school, you know, going through school, I didn't. I wasn't very much in the classroom. I was usually at an event somewhere and I didn't have a lot of self-esteem around, you know, my work in school. It was really my performance outside that built confidence. Um, My self-concept was really around being a performance athlete. And I was actually a year younger than everybody in my class. I'm a June birthday. So weirdly, I was really immature and socially immature. But actually what I could do was beat everybody in any sport really that I went into. I had a confidence around... I had good hand-eye coordination and pretty much anything we took up, I knew I could hold my own. And so I think that that concept of being a performer and having real sense of self and confidence, actually when it was gone, it really left me reeling about who, well, who are you? You know, If you're not this, then what are you? Uh, and it, uh, there was, uh, and really, if I think about, I do quite a lot of work with athletes and business people now around transitions uh, and that sense of an ending of something and, and, and finding a new space to be. Uh, and a new sense of self was quite was, was really quite difficult. And I do actually, it's interesting, when I tell some of these stories in workshops, I have people that come up to me and say, do you know what, 
something like that happened to me 20 years ago and I still haven't quite dealt with it. You know, I'm still, I'm still letting go. Um, so, so I don't think, um, I don't think I really dealt with it probably in the first eight or nine years I went into coaching and kind of was still maybe thinking about could maybe one day I'll go back. And then I kind of realized that actually the bit for me in sport is about maximizing potential in myself and others. And that idea of, of, of really being in flow and performing really well. And I could do that as a coach. Um, I just had to find my own way of doing that. And I think for coaches, that's a big struggle. Um, it's hard to know how you get into your own space and your own way of doing things as a coach. And I really wanted to be kind of my own uh, approach to coaching, you know, which was kind of a bit different than a lot of the other people I saw out there, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm getting this amazing sense, Joe, that, you, I mean, you very much in passing mentioned the fact that your mother was a counsellor which I think is probably quite important, but a real interest in, in the people that you're working with and a real interest in, in perhaps them in a more holistic sense and that led you down that road. Now, you've provided me with a lovely segue into the work that you do now. So I guess you finish up your coaching stuff to some extent. and You're now probably best known across the UK and in probably different parts of the world for your work as a mentor or coach. How did that come to be and what's the evolution of that been like for you? Yeah, I guess... I suppose what I realized early on in my first sort of foray into helping people, which was probably coaching at the age of 17, was that I wasn't that interested in the technical side of things. I was interested in how can I really get this person to be feel inspired and motivated. And then as a teacher, I wasn't that interested in geography, as geography teacher for about seven years. And much as I enjoy geography, it wasn't that bit that got me in the classroom. It was trying to understand the 30 people in the room and what made them tick and what could I do that would really help them flourish. And then actually in coaching, even in national teams, I was really interested in the person. And I remember actually getting a card from one of the girls who's actually a really good friend who had retired or sorry, was just about to retire from the national team. And she said, you're the first person that ever said to me, you must enjoy this. Remember that it's enjoying it is important. It's a journey. And, and actually, I think I realized there was something about understanding the person would get the best out of them from a performance point of view. And I just I think that led me into counseling psychology stuff to understand. And I realized after coaching for a while that the technical stuff didn't, it, it just didn't excite me. But what I was really fascinated by was how people look at the world and actually trying to see how do I connect with that and what can I do to, to, to help them fulfill their potential. And that really came about also with the coaches I was working with in Canada. I then got an opportunity to come back to Belfast where weirdly, and I do believe a lot of the time in life, there's a lot of luck in things. You know, there was a position came at the Institute here for someone, I think the title was head of, it was performance manager for individual sports at the Institute here. So I worked across something like 15, possibly 20 different sports at the Sports Institute in Northern Ireland with coaches from canoe to rowing to bowls to swimming, cycling. And I just was really fascinated by these people. Um, what I was more interested in was how do we help support them as a person rather than just the technical side? And that probably led me into mentoring because accidentally I was really having conversations with them that were probably a bit different than what they were having with other people, um, which I didn't realise at the time. And in fact, I didn't really realise I was being a mentor until Stephen McGuire, who is a GB sprints coach, head coach for that, was based here in, in Belfast and was working with an athlete. And we were somewhere at a meeting and he said, well, of course, Joe is my mentor. <laughs> And I kind of went, all right, okay. 
And I was kind of like, well, what am I doing that it is? And it turned out, he said, well, no, it's really just this critical friend that I have that I have that safe space to talk. And I realized that I was doing that with a lot of the coaches I was working with because I was really fascinated by who they were because that bit for me uh, was massive in how they were coaching. And um, yeah, I'm just probably quite curious as an individual. And I think that led to the mentoring stuff. And then that has just grown. Um, I started doing a lot of work with UK Sport on programs uh, with PDs and coaches in the pathway and, and at Olympic level. And then in Rio, got involved with Team GB and pulling their performance team together and doing work with individuals in that team and then some team building. Yeah, and the mentoring for me is, I wish I'd had a mentor from an earlier age. I, I, I think I... I, I, I sought out people that could actually help me and be somebody who was a sounding board. Um, but they weren't always, there wasn't structured programs when I was growing up for that to happen. I had to find people that I thought uh, would be useful. And I realized that one of the things that's helped me is I'm just curious and I don't mind having a chat with people and asking them stuff, you know. Joe, what you were just talking about there in terms of your journey into mentoring, I think is probably well replicated around the around the place certainly that was my experience was that I was doing this thing and I didn't really know what it was until somebody said yeah I think you're now mentoring that's what you're doing so it might be really useful for our listeners not to give your dictionary definition but for you what what is mentoring what is it about how would you describe it to someone who's maybe unfamiliar with what you mean by what with what I think you mean by mentoring yeah, um, I'm not going to get into it. People who know me will know I'm not good at the old dictionary definitions. I suppose my first connection with sport mentoring in UK was a conversation I had with Sam Whale, who was working at UK Sport at that stage. Uh, and I was saying, look, there's this thing that needs to be happening. I kind of think it's just being there for coaches and it's not about the technical and where is this happening? And Sam said, well, it's interesting because we're at UK Sport looking at running a programme around producing world-class mentors. And at that stage, Tim Kent and John Neal were running a programme at Ashridge, um, which was actually a combination, a partnership between Ashridge and UK Sport to look at taking top coaches um, and, and giving them really strong mentoring skills. And I went to that programme on the first day and John Neal and Tim, who are now uh, good friends and I really respect them. So, and John said on the first day, I had this sort of, frown on my face because I was trying to figure out what is mentoring and I came in with a counsellor head on thinking I know what counselling looks like and I was trying to figure out where does it fit relative to mentoring and and they didn't tell me on day one and um and actually I quite like that because I was trying to just figure out well what's the space and what are the skills that are used for mentoring and as that course evolved I realised that I'd already been doing it for years and that really it was a set of skills to actually connect with individuals, to, to, to form a really strong, authentic relationship with the person you're working with, really to work in service of them. And actually it's their journey that we're going on them with, but we are using our skills, um, our people skills to try and develop insight and foresight for them within them. And actually to really be this sort of critical friend that walks a path with them. And that, that that's as complicated as it gets. I think for me, when I moved into that space, I thought that potentially mentoring was about being very wise. Because when you look the definition of mentor up in the dictionary, it's about this sort of wise sage that's, you know, been there, done that, and is is helping guide and shape. And that didn't really sit very well with me because I, <laughs> I'm not wise um, in many cases. And I actually don't like people telling me what to do myself. So I kind of want to tap into their wisdom and their journey, but find my own journey. So, so I think mentoring for me is essentially a set of skills that can sit really in coaching or counselling and in teaching. And they are really questioning and listening skills. 
And I think I think what I really enjoyed about that Ashridge course and, and the way John and Tim led it was it was finding your own really your own approach to how you wanted to mentor. And actually, ironically, since then I've I've become involved in, and I've worked with John in leading that course at Ashridge, and I've really loved doing that because I have learned so much from all the different people that have come through and their different styles and approaches because what they bring into the mentoring space is their own personality. You know, and I don't think you leave that at the door when you become a mentor. You know, they're they're connecting with you as a person. And I don't think we're in counselling. It's very much I leave myself out of it. And I'm really there to reflect and draw insight from the other person. In mentoring, I think it's about bringing yourself in and then really thinking about what can I share that's useful uh, and why am I sharing that? So I'm not sure if that's around the house's way of explaining it, but I think um, it's going on a journey and it's, it's really being a critical friend. And it's not just about being a champion and actually cheering somebody along it's about having that really nice mix of support and challenge and having the experience and the skills and the wisdom to know when to play the critical friend and when at times people just need support and empathy yeah joe so much of that was just sitting with me and i was resonating with that um, very much so I'm wondering you know you spend a lot of your time developing other mentors now and i've certainly had the pleasure of being in a room with you while you go off on several tangents and uh, wherever, wherever the room needs to go, you tend to move that way. And what's lovely about you is that you're very challenging, but it always comes from a really good place, comes from a very safe place. So it's really just really nice to work with you. If you have any advice for young mentors, people starting perhaps to develop other coaches or getting into mentoring, what would be some of your, maybe some of your best advice or things to think about uh, when we're moving into that role and getting going? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's about going from your strengths you know I think I think when I went into the idea of mentoring I did have this vision of a very you know older coach who had a lot of answers and partly having worked at a space out in Canada where I think they were a little bit more advanced early days around having mentors in place a lot of the mentor coaches were a lot older excuse me and they had you know they had a kind of way of I've been there and I will then be there to pass this on to you and and I think there's a degree of that as a mentor coming in that you have a bag of experience and you have uh, experiences that you've had and skills and knowledge that you're bringing, but that I, you don't have to be wise and old to do it, really. Um, you do have to be skilled in listening and asking really, really good questions. And I think that there is a hard work and honing that needs to go on around questioning and listening skills. Um, I think having your own style of doing that, I use a lot of humour, sometimes more by accident, but that's just part of me and I can't leave that at the door because it would look really weird. So I think for young mentors, it's just sort of be yourself with skill, you know, don't be afraid to show up and bring that whole of you in. And actually, you're not going to get it right. It's a bit like starting to be a coach. You're going to get a lot of things wrong um, and, and, and allow yourself that opportunity. And that actually... It's a two-way thing in mentoring. You know, we are working with the other person, but they, they've got to bring something to the to the table as well. Um, and that you, if you get it wrong, I'm sort of a great believer in naming what's going on in a situation. If I, if, I, if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. You know, my intent at the beginning is to do a good job with the person I'm working with. Um, so I think it's about really stating up front what it is you're trying to do and then putting your hands up if you do make a mistake and say, look, we went off down the wrong road there. I'm, I'm sorry, or I've misunderstood that. And, and um, I think that's, I suppose that's important. And actually just believe in yourself. Um, there's a bit about, um, we're really good when we're in, in a role where we're helping others about building them up and saying for them not to beat themselves up. And then I think as mentors, sometimes we come away from sessions and we're reflecting and really hard on ourselves. I mean, cut yourself a bit of slack. You know, you're, you're learning a new skill set. Enjoy it. Um, and you don't have to do it the way other people have done it. 
Ah, oh, Joe, there was so much in there. I'm going to, I'm actually feeling quite pressurized in this podcast because Joe is somebody who I hold in very high regard for her questioning and listening skills and summarizing. And I'm now trying to ask Joe questions and summarize what she just said. So she's taking notes, <laughs> folks, and I'll get some pretty direct feedback later, I think. You're, you're doing well. Top, so, of class. Top of the class. <laughs> so a couple of things there that people um, might want to just, just take away there. Being really skillful in listening and asking questions, working hard on that as well. Be really tough on those skills. Go from your strengths. Be yourself with skill and let, let the whole of you in. You're a real person, so let that turn up. And you're going to get stuff wrong. The notion that you're going to go in and get everything right is is just crazy. So, so don't be afraid if you get stuff wrong. Um, much better that you're you're being congruent and authentic to who you are than than something else. Joe, we could carry on this conversation for an extremely long time, and um, we have in the past. And maybe one day we'll get to do that uh, over a glass of wine in the future. That'd be really nice. People that are interested in what you do and what you're up to, and learn more about the way you think about things and so on, where can they get hold of you? Yeah, um, they can get hold of me through the website. So we now have a, we now look very organised and have a nice website, which is joehopkinsconsulting.com. So there's uh, all of our details there. And if people want to connect, really happy to chat. I do get quite a lot of people reaching out and saying, how did you get into this work place that you're in? So, you know, even if it's something you want to throw us an email, we'll come back to you on that. I think sort of one point just want to add as well, really to what you've summarised there is, I think it's about, building the relationship you know and Doug, you know I've, I've really enjoyed I mean you've obviously been with me in a lot of the sessions we've done and um, you know you and I've worked together in some programs and the thing that I think we both have in, in common in our approach is it's about those authentic relationships with individuals that we are working with and that actually that just takes time and that in itself is the work you know just I, I think you know I, I, I feel like I feel very privileged to do the work that I do and that we do and and the group of people that we have coming through our mentor training, you know, there there are people that are just out trying to do a really good job. Um, so, you know, take your time, build the relationship, have good intent, and you'll get there. And certainly if there's anything that, uh, in terms of I can do to, to help people on, on that journey, great. Uh, I've still a lot to learn and I still get a lot of things wrong. So I'll probably be reaching out to others. Uh, so be careful if you contact me, I might be coming back and asking you lots of questions. So, but thanks for having me on here, Doug. It's always, it's always, I really like your way of looking at things and, you're you're, uh, you're right on on point as usual with stuff. So um, thank you, Joe. Thanks so much. Uh, and and as always, Joe has uh, had the final word, and she summarised it much more succinctly and cogently than I ever could have. So, Joe, thank you so much for your time. You were unbelievably busy pinning you down to do this. It, it was a nightmare. So I'm just so grateful to you for your time. Check her out. Check out her website. I'll put the details in the description on the podcast as well. She's on Twitter. She's not that active on Twitter, but she she is around and she does engage with good stuff. So uh, you can get hold of her there. And she's on LinkedIn as well. I hope you've taken bucket loads of notes. I know that I certainly have. Do keep an eye out for future podcasts and hit subscribe if, if you don't want to miss out. And most importantly right now, everyone, please stay safe. 